welcome back to Film Fight Club. We're here again. Uh, yeah, the Oscars was last week. We're going to comment on it fashionably late. Yeah, and still isn't here. The Oscars, a very shallow ceremony. They were, which is why we had to lead with shallow. Shallow. So yeah. shallow that this performance was actually the highlight of the, of the night, according of the to many. Yeah, well, yeah. Right. I mean, the music outshone the films. Yeah, if definitely. you break a word into four syllables, it better be outstanding. Well, they brought genuine showmanship and professionalism to the show, which was in short supply. This is Chris Evans. We're joined by Virat Nehru, of course, and a special guest for this episode, film fan Chanel Tarabay. Hello, hello. We're holding down the fort while Glenn continues his interminable tour of Europe. I don't know where he... Is he alive he just dead. he keeps sending new pictures of his forehead to us on facebook <laughs> yes <laughs> you know? literally his bucket hat his glasses and his forehead that's all we yeah. see <laughs> well it could be literally anyone it you know, we don't know it's Glenn or not, but considering it's no, on I, brand, I disagree with you. I recognize that forehead anywhere. <laughs> I also, but I don't think you would do the forehead selfie unless you were truly Glenn. It's like if I was worried that body snatches had taken Glenn, I would ask him yeah, to take if, a selfie. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, if you could see the entire face, you know somebody's something's like, wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, uh, in true film Fight Club fashion we're going to be covering things fashionably late now that everyone's sick of them and ready to move on to the rest of the film lineup for 2019 we're going to be talking about what else the oscars this year there's been i feel less enthusiasm around the oscars than ever before and i think people have been getting sick of it for years but glenn commented on a facebook chat we had with him that for the first time ever he didn't even bother to watch the ceremony i watched about an hour of it I didn't watch it live. I recorded it, recorded in air quotes, and then saw it later because I was like, I can't be bothered. But I had to basically avoid all spoilers. So I did the whole thing. But then eventually I was just disappointed anyway. So I probably would have been okay if I saw the spoilers. It was very unremarkable. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I was coming over to see you, Chris, and I walked in and Chris was like, oh, you're just in time for this award. And I went... Oh, the Oscars, that's today. You know, I actually had the same thing. Usually I follow the Oscars religiously and I woke up and saw, oh, the Oscars are today. Yes. I was like, I guess I may as well watch it. Kind of like (laughs) just crept up on you. And also... There was so much negative publicity around the Oscars this year Mm. from feuds over Green Book and associated controversies to, yeah, no Oscar host because of Kevin Hart cutting the cinematography and editing awards and then facing major backlash and having to reintroduce them. The the Oscars feel poisonous now to the the extent that nobody wanted to host them. That's true. But also the non-hosts did a way better job than the actual hosts. There was really not... much difference yeah that's true but it, it raises the question of why do the oscars need a host with a huge yeah repertoire like the thing is like bring the attention back to the awards because yeah. some mm-hmm. of the speeches are where you see the most genuine and interesting moments of the night i like the humanity that comes out in various shades in seeing the way that people respond to- i'm gonna come up with the first hot take of the night which is i feel the speeches for the technical awards which are often overlooked and they were the first to be cut on the chopping line are the more humane i agree and Genuine, the part, because because they the, don't feel like they're rehearsed. And they yeah, actually go up there the and they contrived. fluster. Exactly. And they, they don't know that they're going to be cut off and they don't feel forced. 
And, you know, they're often the more they feel human. These well, are real they come people. from people who aren't rehearsed in the art of being a celebrity. Yeah. Who don't exist in the world of fame and don't expect to ever be on television to hundreds of millions of people. So I agree. They feel way more human. The whole idea from the Academy of Cutting Cinematography and Editing Awards was such a disaster. Like, those are two of the most important awards. Like, mm-hmm. as a film fan, yeah. those are the awards that I actually care about. Especially about it in-, in the year when you had Roma and Cold War oh. in cinematography. Oh, yeah. Uh, you not, know? I think even the average person who doesn't care that much about films knows how important cinematography yeah, like, and yeah, editing are. Yeah. Cinematography especially. Editing is more invisible to people until they start to really gain an appreciation for the craft. Mm-hmm. But everyone loves the craftsmanship of yeah, everybody thinks a they're a cameraman. Film. Yeah, now you know, especially with Polaroids being vintage. Oh yeah, yeah. Everyone thinks they can do it, but yeah. man, th- to create anything on the level of, of yeah. anything that was nominated in cinematography, which actually I think cinematography this year was probably the most interesting category in terms of the nominees this year. I wasn't even that interested in the best picture noms or even best actor. So the big noms actually were less they interesting were, for me. Yeah, I agree. It's interesting that they nominated Never Look Away. Mm. Caleb Deschanel is a legend. Mm. I had barely heard of Never Look Away before it was nominated for Best Cinematography and I think Best Foreign Language Film as well. It's a new Florian Henkel von Donnersmark film, apparently. Even uh, in Best Darko, Free Solo, which one was in cinemas around the same time. Yeah. So I think it was pr- probably a great moment to actually, in Australian cinemas, not I think I, everywhere yeah, else. I, but, yeah. I still haven't seen it, but I've heard some people say that it's fairly unremarkable as a documentary. Have you got it? No, but it was just interesting for me to be like, okay, wow, something that's something current won the Oscars actually in cinemas, and you know we don't have to wait for like an eternity or you know other illegal sources to go and watch it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> no, there were a few interesting nominations of foreign films outside of the obvious juggernaut of Roma this year. Caleb Deschanel getting in for best cinematography, as I mentioned before, but also the makeup team behind Border, which I still haven't caught, heard mixed things about it. An Icelandic but film like, getting nominated. But even makeup Vice won for makeup right yes it did yeah Yeah, and that was unremarkable vice was i mean outright bad in a lot of yeah, ways yeah but also like in terms of makeup was not that impressive no i agree you know christian bale can transform himself we know that I, yeah i, I think know? it shows that adam mckay has a lot of friends in hollywood that yeah. vice went as far yeah. as it did because vice i'll give it that it's interesting yeah like vice took some chances with the standard biopic or political film formula which were interesting but the execution was really bad it was such a lecture it was so one-sided i would say melissa mccarthy in can you forgive me had better makeup than anyone in vice can i just say that can you forgive me was so overlooked i think Um, that she should have won best actress yes i agree i i think olivia coleman was one of the best picks of the night because mostly because (laughs) of her speech to (laughs) to be fair though in my opinion olivia coleman was a support Actress. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I don't agree think she with was that. lead. Um, I think there was a lot of category fraud going on this year. We had Mahershala Ali, who is basically the co-lead of Green Book, winning Best Supporting Actor. Mm-hmm. It, this is definitely that a should case have gone where, to Richard E. Grant. 100%. Yes, Richard E. Grant gave a better performance. Yeah, definitely way, way better than way, better. way, way, way better than Mahershala Ali. Way more lived in and genuine, yeah. not just a caricature. And Olivia Coleman, I think, was less the main actor. Um, I, I think the, Emma Stone I think the lead was, was Emma lead. Stone, yeah. and I, w- I would Weiss, say all Rachel three. Weiss would be the all three of them best, were the actress nominee, equally in a, kind in a, of essential. I would say all three of them were best supporting. They were supporting each other in equal right. ways. But if so. anyone, if anyone has to be marked as the lead, lead. I think it was Emma Stone. Yeah. She has the most screen time. I think it's bizarre that Ra- and it centers around Rachel, her journey yeah, really more than yeah, anything. Yeah, it does. And I also I, think that Rachel Weiss had a bigger role than Olivia Coleman. I did feel that if they were going to give it to Glenn Close. 
I think this was the best <laughs> they never opportunity. Will. This opportunity too, because Do you I know what she's doing now. Eventually, did see the wife, and I did kind of enjoy her performance. Did you enjoy right. the film? Uh, the film, not too much. But <laughs> I, I guess the thing is, especially this year, if we're going by, let's say, the male side of things, both films I did enjoy: Bohemian Rhapsody and The Green Book. But the performances were the ones that stood out, and that's why they won. So, if we're going by that logic, I think Glenn Close deserved it. In a mediocre film, she mm. gave an extraordinary performance. She sounds like she's doing the baitiest role ever. Next, do you know what she's doing? It's a Sunset Boulevard musical. Oh my god! Well, they have to give it to her then. <laughs> yeah. well, I, I, I think she's she's picked the right thing, right? If yeah. it's about the movies, it's more likely to win something. Yeah. Exactly. And she's one of those, you know, kind of personalities that are considered quote unquote owed. I know. You know, the but, the but Academy I, has this thing of giving people giving, who are owed giving their awards. The, you know, skipping over people because they have no taste or judgment until it's way <laughs> too late. Yeah. yeah. Scorsese wins for The Departed Leo wins for The Revenant Spike Lee wins for Black Klansman instead of Do the Right Thing which was a masterpiece people do great work and then end up winning for something very average by their standards yes yes, all the time give it a few more years and Melissa McCarthy might win her Best Actress Award but the thing is that that actually kind of took me by surprise and I think may have taken a lot of Academy voters by surprise because they still probably see her as a comedic actress yeah I I didn't think she was ever going to win because of that it's really sad about how the academy still stigmatizes yeah or they have their own categories about this this can't win yep. or this mm. is too controversial to win so they always pick the safe bet mm. which I feel is what happened with the green book but we'll talk about that later another thing that we'll talk about more later in this case meaning next week <laughs> is the shameful snubbing of If Beale Street Could Talk yes oh my god yes uh, ridiculous how was that not nominated I, I have no idea why many things yeah many things production I think production design, design I, think the, the, I think the production design in that was way Way, way better than Black Panther, which won. That Somehow Black Panther took out production and costume design. Yeah. And I, I don't think Black Panther... If, if I, there I is one award that the favorite deserved, it was costume Costumes. design. And production design. Production yeah. design would be a yep. good a good um, award yeah, for the favorite. I hated Fish Eyes, but it's still, yeah, the production was great. <laughs> production design was great. But cinematography, <laughs> I think, relied too much on affectations. But if Beale Street could talk, had such a beautiful, homely, lived-in vision of the 1970s. It wasn't just the, the cliche period reproduction of yep. something like American Hustle. It was like really extraordinary work. Yep. And the, the outfits in that movie are fantastic. Are fantastic, mm-hmm. right? The costume, that surely should have been enough I for mean, costume design. Yeah. Pe- people, people have been saying that Baldwin cannot be made for screen and Barry Jenkins Found has proved them wrong. wrong. Yep. And, the, and the thing about the Black Panther design is I see how you can push it to the Academy. It's like, look at how we're fusing sci-fi and African influences, but it's not actually yeah. that distinctive. I remember watching Black Panther and thinking the sense of wonder about this world is lacking when the film is straining so much to try and create that feeling it, it is but also at the same time uh, i felt what beale street could do in its budget mm. was more impressive in the kind of money that was thrown around with exactly Black Panther. i think yeah. it's you know yeah that's right definitely i would i think the the crafts the ambition high. for beale street i think yeah. was way higher because you have to actually be thinking out of the, outside of the box whereas you know in black panther you can construct a set or you can construct mm-hmm. and you have that money to kind of really go intricate and you know yeah okay let's talk about some of the good picks yeah <laughs> Best visual effects, first man. I think that was the, one of the few things that I really I liked about the film. Still I think it was, it was thought well done. no score. First man missed out on that, and I was just so surprised. Score? Was it nominated? No, it should have been. Yeah. I think the but snub, in terms of the snubbing, the I real... think the sound mixing, sound design, or oh, score. Actually, yeah. all of those were good, but I think, again, what should have won for best score was If Beale Street Could Talk, yes. which was fortunately yes, nominated. Yeah. But how is If Beale Street Could Talk not nominated also for cinematography? 
It, that was yeah. stunning work. It, it's look as it came out on Valentine's Day in Australia. Let's like marvel at the yeah. beauty of that kind of it is anti, a very romantic anti corporate construct, yeah. and you know something like Beale Street Couture is coming out in that kind of week. But it is a really beautiful and film it's about such love. a yeah, and you know <laughs> because it's not over the top and like overloading your senses. Yeah. and I kind of feel it was too subtle for the voters. I think yeah, I think because so. it it just requires that kind of felt appreciation which compared with let's say Roma I yeah. think people go for it because of Quran and not necessarily because I think that's it's correct. the name yep. I yeah think, it's um, the you know the Mexican triad yeah I think also like as Chris you've actually commented on this to me before but if Bill Street could talk is very much not Hollywood style it's more yep. European style yeah, and, s- and the so Academy is, will 100% you know vote for Hollywood style over European yeah, style the, every the, single time the big surprise this year is that a very European style film Cold War got in. But then again, yeah. when I saw Cold War, I said this could win Best Foreign Language Film. I didn't see I the was, Roma Juggernaut was, coming at that point. I was heartbroken. In June. Uh, I was really gunning for Cold War. I mean, it's so beautifully shot. I it, mean, this, it is interesting gorgeous. how much they went for Cold War. That it yeah. was nominated for cinematography and Best Director. But mm. I think it's a very compact, straightforward, I, I, into, I think and linear in terms Kuron of the way the kind story of like told. stole Publikowski's narrative because right. they both went Black for the, white. the, yeah. the same for, personal story. Because yeah. you know, it's Publikowski's family and kind of his parents is owed to his parents and. Right. Quaron was like, hang on, I've also done this, by the way. <laughs> and then, you know, you had to pick one, and right. Roma kind of well, Quaron, picked the post. Quaron also made a very non-Hollywood style film in how, terms of how subtle it is mm-hmm. and in terms of how slow the pacing is and the focus yeah. on big, spacious aesthetics. It's very European style filmmaking I, I still again, but Quaron has think, friends yeah. in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah I still don't gravity, think it's not about... Yeah. Harry Potter movies. Yeah. Yeah. I don't you know, think it's about the quality of the film. It's about, you know, what kind of clout you have, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. But the, the other said, thing that Quaron didn't have going for him, uh, the Academy hates Netflix. Yeah, but um, he still but ended up with three, which is true. But he was never going to win Best Picture, look, their biggest the, one. Speaking as we were of Best Foreign <laughs> Language Film, Roma steamrolled everything there. I think Roma is not a disgraceful pick, personally. I think it's a really good film. Yeah. Um, but there were some great ones up there. Shoplifters. I was arguing with Chanel when we were watching the Oscars that I said Shoplifters might be the best, and Chanel thought it was Roma. What do you think, Virat? I really think uh, foreign language was the most competitive category of this year's Oscars. Yeah. It was the most interesting as well because probably the only category which I saw all the film films in. Was your favorite Cold War? I was, yeah. Cold War was by far my favorite. So I, I would have thought Cold War winning foreign language, Roma winning best picture. Yes. And, you know, it would have been a nice compromise and the life could have been simpler. The, the minute I saw that Roma won foreign picture, I was, I was like, like, okay, it's, it's, it's not, not winning it's, best It's film. not winning, yeah. 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 So it, it potentially could have won both it, I mean, it was never would have been happen, great yeah. <laughs> yeah but yeah probably the way that academy voters think is okay Roma's on this i'm going to tick that for foreign language and i'm going to and it's easily which, which going is to win of, that so it doesn't need to win best picture yeah. yeah but is it that or is it because they think roma as still as a foreign language film yeah rather than an american film which is a very interesting thought through line that we can sort of explore eventually like wh- what do the academy voters now think as an american film now you know is, as an aside how insulting is it to think that Roma is the best foreign language film of the year and Green Book is better than all the foreign language <laughs> films made in 2018? It's, it's not true, like, guys. Jesus. Yeah. Even the worst foreign language film in that category is way better yeah. than Green Book. Please, I don't know. I didn't see yeah. the Florian Henkel von Donnersmark and it wouldn't surprise me based on his history yeah. if it's not better than Green Book. It is, it is, guys. Yeah, but pl- please, guys, <laughs> go and try and see Shoplifters if Shoplifters you can. Shoplifters is and such a beautiful Please film. go and try and see Cold War. Cold War is, Cold Cold War. Really Cold War is apparently not getting a Blu-ray 
Blu-ray release in the US. That's out. That's, that's egregious. Me. Because that, <laughs> that's, it's, it's absurd that everything's going away from Blu-ray and going towards streaming. Speaking of which, Steven Spielberg has been campaigning in the last week to stop Netflix films from being nominated for Best Picture. And uh, Chanel theorized yeah, earlier this that is, this... Yeah, much earlier in the year, I said, look, I, I can't see Roma winning Best Film because it's Netflix. Um, there is this, you know, perception and, you know, kind of saving the purity of film and, you know, we've got to protect our industry and we've got to push back against Netflix. And I think because of that, you know, Roma might have borne a little bit of the brunt of that. Mm. It's interesting. Uh, Paul Schrader, of all his hot I takes was, I was on, on Facebook, the same thing. Paul had, has the best a very response. good and very kind of considered response, which is surprising he, he given did. Paul Schrader. Paul Schrader said, he doesn't look, have considered I'm, response on Yeah, he's often like he's a hothead, but he said, I have no bias against Netflix. I think yeah. Ted Sarandos is as smart about By the way, film. Paul Schrader did First Reformed, which should have been nominated for everything, mm-hmm. and yeah. Ethan Hawke probably first, should have won Best Actor. First Reformed was just really saying, good. Just saying. Ethan Hawke should have been nominated. It's shameful yeah. that he wasn't. He wasn't nominated, was he? He should have won Best Actor anyway. Even if he it's wasn't sh- nominated, people should go back, nominate him, and make him win Best and Actor. And that, that <laughs> should easily have won Best Original Screenplay over Green Book. I mean, oh, for totally, God's sake, yeah. guys. And Paul Schrader... Is I mean, he, he has hot takes on social media, but he does make great films. Has Paul Schrader won a... But yeah, what was his hot take, guys? You never said that. I'm okay. oh, sorry. Let's go back to the hot take again. <laughs> yeah, Actually, the considered take. Yeah. Is... Okay, he said, look, Ted Sarandos is as smart as any film executive out there, so I've got no... Bu- I'm fine with working with him. I've got nothing against Netflix, but consider this. They bury their films. He said oh, yeah. First Reformed was bought for really cheap by A24 and they kept it in the conversation because it was a theatrical film being released in theatres. Yeah. He said if Netflix had... It, it was passed down by Netflix and Amazon, by That's the right. way. They so passed they it. passed on it. So And he said if First Reformed had been picked up on by Netflix, it wouldn't have the level of public acceptance that it has. It wouldn't be part of any conversation and it probably would have just been relegated to uh, the realm of film esoterica which I think is yeah. correct. The only films that from Netflix that really make a splash are the ones they give their big push to, like yeah. Bird Box and Roma. I mean, Outside of Annihilation that, as well, an, but well to an, some extent. Just imagine that. Just imagine that. Just imagine that. Just imagine first reforms prestige. going up against the kissing booth. Yeah. <laughs> what would you watch but, on, but on but a weeknight? Netflix, <laughs> Netflix buy up a kissing lot of... Kissing booth, surely. <laughs> Netflix buy up a lot of films from uh, festivals and then they, they just release them on the service with zero fanfare and... It, it has the same level of prestige as a direct-to-video movie, essentially, yeah. because yeah. it's just a name that, to the average person, it's just one more name that they see on Netflix. Yeah. Like, even a, a movie with big actors in it, like, um, what, what was the Noah Baumbach movie? The Myra Red Stories. Oh, Myra Red Stories, yes. yeah. That, look, that was a movie that had Ben Stiller, Adam Sandler... Dustin, Dustin Hoffman, Hoffman yeah. yeah. And that that And that was a great film. It was right. really good. Yeah. It was like the best Woody Allen film of the yeah. past decade. And <laughs> not made by Woody Allen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's been completely forgotten, yeah. you know? Um, if, like no one noticed which it. No kind one of outside like of the, this in, kind of community yeah. knew that it existed. Well, you know, there's, that's there's, the, that's there's the another of a Netflix, Netflix movie. movie that I think the Oscars kind of missed out on a little bit, Ballad of Buster Struggs. Um, that, really got, that got nominated um, for uh, original Adapt- song, I think, yeah. and, and adapted, adapted screenplay. screenplay. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, there could have been a few more awards, I think. Definitely, Ballad of one. Buster Scruggs. Editing, I think editing was editing, editing was sure. excellent. Yeah. Yeah. I thought Ballad of Buster Scruggs was beautiful. I think Best Picture easily. Yep. It's, it's on par yeah. with. Um, most uh, you know, at the, least the better than world. Green Book. Still better than oh, Green yes. Book, actually. Oh, it's oh, yeah. it's way better than Green Book. But but also but, like coming back to Roma and like why it probably worked for Netflix. Mm. I think the curiosity element of like oh, Curon, who's done Gravity mm-hmm. and Harry Potter, 
now has a film on Netflix. I better check it out. That's right. So I and think also, it's basically like the director prestige. But they decided that this was the big Oscar play for the year, and they pushed it hard, yeah. and they released yeah. it to theaters internationally, not just in America. And Netflix never does that. It's mm. going to be interesting how when The Irishman comes out. Oh yeah, because you know, what Netflix want to win well. Best Picture next year, but meanwhile. Mm. So th- that's basically Spielberg only one will film. Be hard against it. One film can have a chance at that, right? And Netflix would go gangbusters to That's promote right. that just one film but every all year. These other all the other ones probably would never have that. get the position yeah. that First Reformed did where yeah. people know it in America and people were talking about it as a potential Academy Award nominee just because uh, A24 kept yeah. pushing it in I cinemas mean, over, over... They gave it a 14-month we campaign. We were really mm. lucky to see it at Mayfin, like we probably were, yeah. one of the biggest screens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In an extreme screen. Back extreme to screen. Paul Schrader's um, solution that he proposed, he said that um, there's nothing particularly... Uh, important about people just sitting in the dark in the theater. That was only something that developed because of the economic realities, that it was the most feasible way to show films, and things change, which is a very smart thing for an old man like Paul Schrader to say when everyone's (laughs) clinging to the nostalgia of 35mm film projected in the darkness. Um, But his idea was that there should be two two tiers. So first, um, cinema slash something like movie or the Criterion Channel, and then, after something's been exclusive to a prestige service like that, then it months gets down the line, then it yep. goes yep. to Netflix, Talking yep. Hulu, etc. Yeah. Yep. I think it's a brilliant yeah. idea, right? Yep. And it would also get more people to su- subscribe to these um, smaller streaming services like Mubi that yeah. are trying to keep Mubi, the Mubi cinema is, scene alive. Mubi is great. amazing, right? We and Criterion Channel, yeah. so good. Criterion Channel is recently coming back from April 8th yeah. with yeah. their online service. So That's right. You know, uh, I've already yeah. subscribed. Yeah. Guys, totally forget Netflix and Stan. Get on Mubi. Yeah. yeah, like yeah, every day a movie is released. Ev- and yeah. a movie on movie. Yeah, <laughs> if, if you guys don't know about it, um, movie gives you a move a new movie every day, which is available for thirty days, and it's a really widely curated spectrum of interesting films. Yeah, yeah. sometimes recently, they're not so good, but they're always interesting, and sometimes they're amazing. Look, recently they've been putting up films direct from the uh, Berlinale. Yeah, yeah, that's um, right. So yeah. you can see things screening at Berlin Film Fest on your TV screen. Pretty yeah, much. It's, and it's such a fantastic. It's fantastic. And like they actually have a very wide range of films, not just European cinema, which is fantastic. They cover a lot of Asian cinema as well. That's yeah. right. Which, and yeah, even, even something like so. Lost in Translation can pop up on movie. Yeah. It's yeah. a really interesting service. Anyway, moving on. Yeah. <laughs> moving on. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> moving on. <laughs> that is a great solution from Paul Schrader. But you know what another solution is if you want to push back against Netflix? Please start funding good films. I mean, there's a reason why Roma had to go to Netflix and why Buster Scruggs had to go to Netflix and why all these kinds of movies... Annihilation was one of those ones that was picked up by a production company. Yeah, Paramount dumped it. And then they dumped it. They decided it wasn't and worth then, releasing in cinemas. Yeah, and then even though I'm not as big a fan of Annihilation as I think, you know... It's something so, that some people make it. Yeah, exactly. Something off the beaten path. So, I, mean, I mean, you're right, because with Annihilation, we, I mean, us, we went to basically great lengths, to, even it's, it's on Netflix, we ended up going to see it in 4K. Yeah. Someone, we had to go to someone's house. At like a private exactly. theater. <laughs> so just imagine, like, you just put stuff out there and there are people who go to great lengths to see it in the way that it should be seen. Exactly. Um, Spielberg, I think, is so wrongheaded because he's a guy who can get any film he wants made at this point. Not everyone is as privileged as yeah, he is he in that, that department. Privilege. And if Netflix are putting up the money for risky and unusual projects and no one else is, 
you know, it, it seems wrong to then say, well, that's just a TV movie that should win an Emmy. Because yeah. I think some of the best talent who are definitely thinking cinematically are having to go to Netflix to get their visions realized. Yeah, Even I Scorsese. Mean, Scorsese has to, um, uh, for, for a time, you know, the Wachowskis had to go to Netflix because right, people yeah. lost faith in the Wachowskis. Granted, they didn't have a good run of, you know, recent films. But it's the Wachowskis. Yeah, exactly. But, but even like we're talking about viewing experiences and it's kind of like blown out of proportion because people have like home theaters like in their homes now. It's the new nature of what And you have a big is, enough screen it? and you have a projector. You can pretty much recreate the cinematic experience at the comfort of your home. And that's fine. Like, you know, it's... It, it raises the question, though, what is cinema? Like, what <laughs> oh if, if like, what that's, should that's like, qualify you for the Oscars? What makes Netflix movies different from TV movies? They're movies. I They're agree. Just on a, on a I different agree. I think you can platform. just feel that it's a cinematic <laughs> okay. thinking. I, I, yeah. But when I the mean, lines are blurred that much, Spielberg has a point to the extent of like, how do you differentiate it from? The, there is a difference about what this makes is the Netflix idea about like digital film versus like actual thirty-five mm film or eighteen mm or sixteen mm film. Or even film. something made to be seen yeah. at, cin- at cinemas. Like what? What is it that makes Netflix different? Like Roma was a Netflix film. The first time I saw it, I saw it in the cinemas. Yeah. Before yes. I saw it like I think, on, on a laptop. I mean, it, it is. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's just like you know it because you see it and you can feel. Like people who work usually in cinema medium are working with Netflix instead of working on traditional theatrical yeah, routes. But I, I otherwise, think, what difference is that? I think there's a level of you know what the underlying intention is there. Like, is it intended to be just pure entertainment, right? Or is it intended to be not just pure entertainment, but also art? Is it mm. intended to make a cultural contribution? You know, like yeah. the the I agree th- with that, that can also form part Look, of what I agree the with that. But there, there's also maybe a level of snobbishness in going down that line because I'm sure there's people in who in the Emmys who are nominated oh. for like best TV movie who would come forward and say, "Hang on, oh totally, we are making N- a contribution." Not mm. not you're exactly right. Like, and that's not entirely what I mean. Mm. But there is like a a scope for understanding movies that are intended to be cinema versus yeah. something that's intended to be pure entertainment. Like yeah. um, like something that immediately comes to mind is like reality TV, right? Yeah, I, yeah, I understand that that's not cinema, but we can clearly see that that's not intended as art. It's not intended yeah, it's, um, exactly. as, you know, uh, as... A cultural statement, really. Yeah, it's, it's just, just it's intended as pure entertainment, right? But, to, yeah, to but, the, watch. but even then, I think what Shredder was trying to make a point and the other thing that kind of gets lost in it is how do we segmentize from let's say a blood box and the kissing booth to mm. prestige cinema which is Roma or First Reformed mm. why is if one a they're TV on the movie same, one a real film but they're on the, on the same platform right and people are most people are going to pick the kissing booth it's just how life is and most people are not going to watch First Reformed even if you do give it a big push it's just that it exists and we're happy about that but mm. you know are we trying to make a commercial argument about it that it needs certain kind of numbers or people should be watching it or are we just saying we're glad that it exists and there is a artistic kind of uh, pushing the boundaries that requires to happen for it to be like completely art or Mm. commerce based and to go back to the tv movie argument before there was a lot of praise for the tale last year which is a tv film and Mm. it was was shown at sydney film festival and miff as a full-length film actually had laura dern in it Yes. Mm-hmm. No. Favorite so, so Oscar moment. What, what is the difference between the tale and Roma? Essentially, yeah. like why is one cinema? They were both given limited yeah. theatrical runs. Quick segue. Actually, the best Oscar moment of 2019 was Laura Dern explaining to us. You about know, I missed it. A museum 
that doesn't exist yet. And oh. I was like, she just made she's, a museum she, interesting. Is the, she the, the academy did she museum the governor? I know that she was trying to run. I've been out of it. I know she was trying to become the academy governor. Did yeah, she, well, did I'm, she win? I'm not did she sure. Succeed? She's not. She no, no, Inirido, Inirido won. No, no, he's the Khan. He's the Khan jury president. No, oh, I don't know what happened. Did. Okay, but no, uh, Laura Dern. Yes, so she can do anything. She can just make museums fun, guys. Yeah. That's that's the thing. Yay, Laura Dern. Uh, like so non-existent great. museums. Like this yeah. museum's not even real yet. But it's she coming. made it sound so fun. What's it? What's the museum? It's uh, the Oscars Museum. And she made that sound fun. Yeah. yeah. So, but, but like, She's I a just, talented actress indeed. She's very <laughs> but like, I, ju- I just want to further my point so that I'm not being misconstrued because, like, no disrespect to, like, those movies at the Emmys, et cetera. Like, I'm not saying that these movies aren't trying to make a contribution. Mm. Um, but uh, Twin Peaks was some of the best, yeah, but like, whatever you call it, Exactly. Film but, like, to, to, to some extent, you know, Spielberg's kind of wrong in having, you know, this split between what's an Emmy worthy movie and what's an Oscar worthy movie. Like I I don't I don't think we should be thinking about things being different in terms of the medium that they're on as opposed to more about, you know, the kind of intentionality behind yeah, yeah, it. I, I mean agree. I mean Netflix push But just on one, a literal level it gets blurry. Oh yeah. yeah. Like Netflix are trying to push their prestige cinema, their one prestige film that they think is Oscar bait which is what the Academy does as well mm. from its like nomination you know runtime yeah. they pick out the Oscar bait narratives and films which may not be the best films of the year but which they think are Oscar worthy mm. yeah. so technically you know even Hollywood is doing the same thing which Netflix is doing exactly. I mean Netflix is not going to put up the kissing booth for Oscars right <laughs> that's not going to happen guys okay Actually, it would be interesting though if it does. <laughs> I'm just just thinking about it now. Actually, just like exploded my mind internally. <laughs> just be like, oh my God. Uh, this year's Oscar goes to the kissing, kissing booth. booth. That's wow. that's what will happen Ooh. if Disney get their way. And so we have best I, I think feature. that's what I mean. That's what Spielberg thinks might happen, and yeah. that's the fear, right? right? And I think this this but kind of very silly. slippery slope argument. He should talk to his yeah. friend Scorsese. Yeah. About are they friends anymore? With, maybe, um, but he's yeah. He are old ask him old about people like after a certain age just like in the same circle? Is that how it happens? <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Because all their other friends are dying. <laughs> so yeah. to, you're my friend now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They should. He should. Plotline of youth. The Michael Caine movie on Netflix and whether it's real cinema. Because Scorsese is one of those old school traditionalists, and he has had to go to Netflix in order to realize his artistic vision mm. when no one else will fund it. Yep. Yeah. The real answer to, is if you want to stop. I think Scorsese's raging against the wind. Inevitably, I think Netflix is going to be more you and more. You mean Spielberg? <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, that's right. I think Spielberg's raging against the wind. Inevitably, more and more Netflix and related services are going to be a part of the Oscar conversation and the conversation of serious cinema. And the reason for that is that the film world's become too corporatized and it's not funding interesting films. And if the interesting cinematic minds are making films for the streaming services, then you know we'll simply have to change the yeah. definition and accept that's what cinema is I, because there's a shortage of interesting, challenging artistic work elsewhere. And, and even if we, if the Academy wants to be about celebrating that, where else are they going to go? Yep, that's true. But even Netflix and Amazon are corporatized, right? They're not essentially they are, but, artistic streaming services. But they're, looking, but they're funding things for prestige, which are the yeah. um, a lot of... We'll uh, see how long that lasts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we will well. see. It could be a bubble that's about to yeah. pop. But which is it, why Criterion movie are an yeah. interesting sort of side offshoot which yeah. need to exist as well. I think what, what's happened on a cultural level in Hollywood is that executives used to come from the film world and so they would fund films for the sake of pride, for the sake of um, we want to have these jewels in our crown that attract the talent to work with our studio because, hey, 
we worked with Stanley Kubrick and mm. look at this film that we made you know it it wasn't profitable but it adds to the long-term profitability from the company and also I think coming from the film world there is just a level of pride about we're yeah. here because you know to make money but not just for that we also want to make something that lasts yeah whereas I think when executives come entirely from the corporate world and studios are just one small cog in larger and larger and larger corporate machines people don't care about that so much the profit motive is the only thing because the executives don't have that personal relationship with the world of cinema and so that's why prestige filmmaking is falling away you know that Fox Searchlight is which is the prestige arm of 20th Century Fox is getting the axe and being turned into a label that makes films for the streaming services now that Disney's buying Fox and that's just the way of the future it's it's true. Netflix still care about that prestige. Mm. They do, and and for the time but, being, at but least. there there are at least smaller production houses, like let's say A twenty four. If you yeah. look at yep. all they've bought, which is all up on Canopy, and you they're can funding see, their own films now. Yeah, you can see all of A twenty four titles on Canopy, which is fantastic mm. as well. But you know, and Shout they d- Canopy, Canopy and Movie, and movie. Which, is, Woo. which is amazing. So you know, it's like smaller boutique houses may have to say about what they feel is interesting content versus just corporate houses because. The way Marvel and the way, you know, production Marvel is going. Own our in, souls. Oh my god, it's just sad, sad, sad. Even though Spider Man into Spider Verse was fun. That was okay. good, but it wasn't a Marvel cinematic. It, it begrudges film. me to kind of like just, you know, my insights burn. Yeah, I, I felt the same way. Admitted, it's such yeah. a good film, but like it feels wrong to give praise to another I superhero. Know, it's film. like it's, it's just like Because I am a snob, okay? <laughs> it's just like my internal intestines just had to like wriggle a little bit. It's like, oh my yeah. god, how do I say this without feeling like, oh my god, I'm disgracing Marvel. Yeah. It's not real Marvel, guys. Anyway. Um, wait, just while we're making shout outs, <laughs> <laughs> um, shout out to Film Club in Surrey Hills, one of oh, Sydney's yeah, last great. remaining DVD and video rent stores. I think it's I think it's no more videos. Actually, it might be just DVD and no, Blu-rays. It's just, it's, it's just yeah, DVD, DVD and Blu-rays. Blu-rays yeah. But like, if, it were, if they were renting out VHS, but that like, would be truly that, heroic. That would be amazing. But guys, like, they stock cinema from all around the world. It's not just your cinema blockbusters. Like, we raid yeah, the Middle Eastern they, section. Yeah, we look, go they, through. They import Criterion, Masters of Cinema, releases like that. Director Suite. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Look, they bunch. they're about putting out interesting cinema. Yeah, shout-outs to people like that who are fighting the good fight to keep the question good is, film yeah. art flowing around are there, Sydney. Are there things region-locked? Some of them are, <laughs> no. but that's why you've got to do what I did and get a region-free player. Yeah. Yay. So, But, yeah, guys, if you are in around Sydney, visit Film Club in Darlinghurst uh, for all your film needs. Are you looking for the next film to watch by a director you've never heard of before? Please go to Film Club. Or a director yeah. you have heard of before because um, they've got a director's section where films are arranged by the director's name. Anyway. Yes. Uh, this or you could be the next director, the big director. Uh, maybe. Or a director. You should, you should go in and annoy the staff at Film Club with, like, burnt DVDs especially of all the Ian Barr. Especially Give Ian Barr. Give it to Ian Barr. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. You, um, yeah. this t- you could be ta- barred. This tangent is going to an end. Back to the Oscars. <laughs> I think Roma was far and away the best film nominated for Best Picture. I think a lot of the oh, awards totally. that won were deserved. I think you can make mm-hmm. the argument for Cold War for cinematography, but I think Roma is an equally good pick. Yeah. yeah. Same goes for Best Director. I think, I I think would, hands I would down he was. Yeah. Because every, everyone else was just too toxic, right? I mean, you, you can't... For, especially for, Best Director. Or lackluster. Yeah, once again. Actually, yeah. Yeah. So but, in a way, I think it's the win 
Star- just for yeah. like European cinema that it was at least considered as a nominee. I think yes. so. I'm happy that Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse won for oh, yes. picture. I think that it would have been so safe to give it to Incredibles 2, but who remembers that movie? Like, who cares about The Incredibles no. 2? I was a huge fan of The Incredibles 2. I, I think do, of- just because of the epilepsy warning that he had to come that with in the cinema. That I yeah. and <laughs> even the short animated feature, which was Bao, which was very cute. Yeah. Yeah. It was adorable. Yeah, yeah, very adorable. And They won the best animated short film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what was I going to say? Yeah, Roma <laughs> Roma was good. A Star is Born, I think, would have been too much following the trajectory of movies about Hollywood and the fame industry. But also, the Star is Born is just a good film. That's it. Yeah, right? I feel you like know? it shouldn't have gotten shut out entirely the way that it did. Like, I think it could have... Well, the best thing about the movie was Shallow and it yeah. did win. So I guess yeah. it's well, that's not true. That I, mean... I think Bradley Cooper kind of ruin it for himself by just over publicizing to the extent that yeah. how much it is his pet project and how he's you know trying to bring attention to interpersonal relationships which I didn't even understand what he meant by that I'm yeah. like every movie is about interpersonal relationships come on Bradley just pick up your game a bit <laughs> so we're going to talk a little bit about some of the huge Oscar movies that we never spoke about on the show last year a little bit of a catch up so movies you guys have seen and can tell us your opinions on if you disagree agree bohemian rhapsody and the big elephant in the room that we've been avoiding mentioning green book (laughs) (laughs) firstly what did we think of bohemian rhapsody i avoided that movie last year because i thought i do not care this looks like a standard issue biopic but watching the oscars i thought geez i guess i finally have to just buckle down and get this shit out of the way because (laughs) so so in other words i'm saying i was biased but it did not win over me. No, it's, it's not a good film. But in a way, I get it. It's not meant to be a good film. Uh, it was nominated for Best Picture. I know, I know, I know, Best I know. Best Picture. I know, I know. <laughs> Just keeping aside the Oscar lens for a second... A lot of my friends who went to watch it, a lot of friends from LGBT communities, they were just happy to see a film based on Freddie's life. Just, they just went in to sing songs. They didn't even go to see the sing-along version. They're just happy to be like, I just went there to have a good time. Yeah, me yes. and Chanel were talking to they a were not actually who was saying exactly that. Yeah, yeah they, they didn't care about the representation because they're like, we know it's not going to like do justice to that. So they actually had kind of made peace with that. I'd yeah. heard a lot of anti-hype that this movie completely glossed over that Freddie was gay and so I was surprised to find that that is actually a major focus of the film. I think. Could, the, can the we just issue point that out that he sanitized. was that he was bi? Just just for the record. Well, in the film, oh, yeah. it's presented as like he presents himself as being bi, but yeah. really he's gay because. Um, yeah. Which is. Probably I guess, close I guess to there the is truth. there is a shroud over that, but They're probably close to the truth if we look at how Freddie lived his life. Yeah. The thing is, Freddie Mercury's interviews, which are already available publicly on YouTube and whatever, are way more interesting inside to his life and his personality than anything in the movie. So you only got to see the movie basically to enjoy the Live Aid performance which has been recreated and yeah, that's they, the they best part of the, the film. play the entire 20 minute Live yeah. Aid performance and, and it is fun. Basically, it's stirring. Like it's hard not to be that, moved and by that's a it. huge stadium rocking out to yeah. We Are The Champions. This could have been this is, could have been like a doco recreation for 20 minutes and I would have enjoyed it. I don't know why I'd like to see movie. some like cine essay about Queen that then shows you the Live Aid performance in the yes. style of um, the McEnroe Realm of Perfection documentary. Oh, oh my god. god. Like the Queen version yeah. of that. Yeah. Like Queen in the Live Aid in the Realm of Perfection. Okay, oh, yeah. t- t- talking about that, I think uh, <laughs> Realm, Realm of Perfection. Realm of Perfection is playing at Golden Age. It's a good uh, film. It's yes. Oh, go catch it, people! If go you catch tennis. it if you if you love tennis, and you know I love tennis. Even if you so just love documentaries, it's, you yeah, know? it's, a, like, interesting it's a really interesting yeah. uh, thing. But and, yeah, yeah. Back to Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> the thing is, yeah. it glosses over anything that's potentially interesting. I've 
want to have more of an insight into the artistic process of how songs are written and how the dynamic between the group works. And I mean, the movie just, just kind of touches on that, but it really focuses on just, and they were really successful and they steamrolled yeah. everything. And I mean, it glosses over huge periods of really fascinating stuff happening. We go from like Freddie Mercury joins Smile and renames them Queen to they're touring the US in like five minutes. Yeah. A real biopic would, would talk about grappling with the fame and creating the image as opposed to, this basically presents it as Freddie Mercury walks in as a genius with a full-formed idea and overnight it's a worldwide sensation yeah. and obviously that's not how things really work let's look at what it won right it won best editing then it won all the sound awards mm-hmm. it shouldn't and have won all the sound awards that was silly should have gone to first man but that's different yes first man had an incredible sound and yeah. i was not a fan of that film and it won Best Actor. That was ridiculous. Rami Malek <laughs> was not that good in this film. No, he wasn't. And part of it is, look... Part of it is that they used the real performances of, <laughs> of Freddie Mercury's voice and people were probably thinking, wow, Rami Malek can really sing. Yeah, but also the part of the thing is, I, I can just imagine a lot of like <laughs> middle-aged women actually using that voice, which is fantastic. Uh, when, uh, it, it, I'm not cutting that. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, it's insane talking about cutting let's get back to editing yeah Uh, (laughs) good segue this this actually this film is I wouldn't say badly edited because there were a lot of memes going around on Twitter about how badly edited this film is no it's not but it's 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 about the choices in editing and I think it's badly edited in the sense because it doesn't have a director the montages with like you know 70s fonts with 70s video I mean it's difficult to edit a movie if you don't have a director who's calling the shots right Mm. that's true I mean let's acknowledge that Brian Singer was fired Dexter Fletcher director of Rocket Man was checking the boxes well enough on Rocket Man to get pulled but, in but to also, check the boxes I mean, on this all the way to post production. If you're but an he edit- wasn't credited. He's an executive yeah. producer. Yeah, when the when the title card came up for Best Picture, there was no credits director for man. director. Yep. Yeah. It was pretty surprising. Anyway, we all know about that. But the thing is, as an editor, let's get back to editing. It's very difficult to pick which shot to go with if you don't yeah. have somebody with an overarching vision a, directing a vision you about part. like, you know, which shot should you pick? So instead, here you have all the five shots from all the angles in like 10 seconds instead of the I one saw, shot which yeah. has a consistency I saw a lot story. of people crapping on Green Book for having bad use of the camera but I think it was leaps and bounds ahead of Bohemian Rhapsody That's which true. was by far, far the worst the most anonymous in its style of all the films that were up for yeah. best picture and also the ugliest this film has this weirdly <laughs> desaturated look like they're trying to recreate the 70s but it ends up looking really really well, harshly it's, it's, digital in a, it's, in a look, really look at way. look at the t- go and watch Driving Miss Daisy again and look at match the tone the color palette of Driving Miss Daisy and Green Book. Quite similar. And it's exactly the same. So on the note, Bohemian Rhapsody, boring, stupid. Yeah, actually, <laughs> before before we wrap up on Bohemian Rhapsody, I said to Chanel before we came in that when you, we talk about Freddie Mercury's private life, like two things I think of are cocaine addict and his struggle with AIDS. And both of those things get totally glossed over. This it, movie it, shows like a wild party yeah, with Freddie Mercury but, where he's just shown drinking. And I think, oh, really? But, but, okay. but, but that's the thing, right? Um, I mean, and then it, for it, Hollywood, for like mainstream Hollywood, I mean, if anything is even remotely controversial, it's by so controversial, sanitized. I don't mean... It's designed you know, not to offend Queen you want and their edgy? fans. What? But, yeah. but no, How but, could you? But like, you know, it's not even about sexuality and accepting your sexuality. It's mostly about, here's the version of Freddie Mercury we can accept. That's right. Yeah. That's exactly it. You know, it's not about, here's how Freddie Mercury was. No. Because nobody and, and can accept that. It, as much as I, I feel like death from AIDS is often used as a way to extract cheap emotion just by depicting the physical reality of it. Yeah. 
I really in a lot of Oscar Beatty type films like BPM last year yeah. or Philadelphia. I mean, I watch Paris is Burning if you want to like talk about you know interesting interesting AIDS and how right. especially in that time. But anyway, I think you can't avoid that in a biopic about Freddie Mercury, and that's such an interesting part of his story for somebody who was on top of the world to die of AIDS, the struggle and the fact that he was closeted. That's really just glossed over in this film. I think part of that is. We feel like we're in 2019 and sexuality discussions just feel like, oh, we're, it's 2019, we're over it. But are we, though? Like, when Which the is, representation okay, is... Okay, perfect segue to talking about our best picture winner, yes. Green Book. <laughs> uh, I read a very, very pointed article, an interesting article by Wesley Morris, who's the culture critic for New York Times, back in January, about, you know, this kind of very... A placid and comfortable relationship that the Academy seems to have with its racial past, trying to reconcile stories and why it loves narratives where it's all hunky-dory between racial tensions and two cultures try to come together and reconcile their differences. Mm. Those are the narrative that actually loves. And he wrote this back in Jan, and I was like, oh my god, are you like a future teller or something? Because right. you kind of knew... You nailed it. Well, nailed I, saw, it. <laughs> I saw a few people back when it looked like Green Book was stumbling in terms of its Oscar narrative, come out and say, book it, it's going to win Best Picture. And I thought, no, surely not. And then it won. And, I mean, oh, especially God. if and you look at... And then it won, and Spike Lee turned his back and yeah. tried to leave in uproar. The most interesting thing that happened at, okay. the, at the Oscars. Oscars. No, the, the, no, the two most interesting, one is Olivia Colman's uh, winning Olivia speech. Olivia Colman's speech was great. Which is fantastic. Was... And Spike Lee going up on stage and saying the... Um, do the right thing F word oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> while like literally piggybacking Samuel L. Jackson that is yeah, like yeah. a moment for the ages it was fantastic yeah. nice role reversal that Spike Lee got to say the MF rather than <laughs> yeah. Samuel L. Jackson yeah 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 that's great awesome. I, 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 it was great that he managed to get that in over the live senses yes oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah. yeah you're not supposed to say that go really? Spike. Oscars. Yeah. yeah go Spike Green Book uh, look I only saw it yesterday so mm-hmm. I had heard all of this negativity surrounding it for a really long time and I have to say some of it's warranted but I think a lot of things have been blown out of proportion yeah. I think Green Book is so inoffensive that I guess that's why people find it offensive that it's like it's not the time for it's, this film in 2019 yeah the thing is the film is trying to represent a narrative which didn't exist especially everything around the film is such an issue right where Dr. Shirley's family doesn't agree with how the film portrays you know anything in the narrative and the producers and the director and the kind of team behind the green book are themselves kind of bigoted yeah 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 them. so you know for them to kind of make this kind of movie and it's then like, go up it, on stage and say it's, it's it's yeah you know and then claim that this is a story out of love and compassion and bringing people together kind of felt just Unjustified. Yeah. One of the best scenes in the film is where Dr. Shirley gets up and puts Tony Lip in his place for saying, you know, I'm more black than you because I'm in contact with the poor and street people and things like that. And Mahershala Ali, as Dr. Shirley gets up and says in pretty much his Oscar clip, no, look at the actual prejudice I have to sit in and the way that I seem to sit between worlds. But a good point I saw raised about that was that the film manipulates you and makes such a caricature out of Doc Shirley that you can almost agree with the extremely bigoted thing that Tony Lip said, that I'm more black than you. 
Yeah, and, mm. and kind of like, isn't that what people's perception is about what race relations have mm. come to, right? Yeah. That we're living in a post-identity politics world where people are struggling to come to the acceptance of the fact that what has happened throughout race relations has had an impact and come to terms with owning the kind of oppression that they've subjected on other people. Mm. And it's difficult for people in majority positions to really accept that. Yeah, mm. and I think generally people have always and still do have a problem with people who aren't black or people of colour yeah. making a film about people who are black or people of colour and at least, you know, having no consultation about that. Now, I know there has been some, you know, kind of um, mixed opinions on the level of consultation because um, I have heard reports that Dr. Shirley, before he died, did say it was okay and to make this. talk with the mainstream But writer. the family was very much very against, much against it. it. and very much disagreed. So, like, and I wonder, you know, it's easy to... It's very as, difficult. As it is with Bohemian Rhapsody, it's easy to gloss over or distort the perspective of a person when they're gone. You know, it's yeah. easy to reframe them into this kind of Hollywood crowd-pleaser context. And the thing about this film is it is extremely formulaic, not just in the depiction of Doc Shirley, but also Tony Lip, really caricatured in order yeah. to create the easy narrative. Mm. So you can definitely feel real-life people and real-life issues being distorted in order to create an easy, crowd-pleasing formula but film. it kind of made me think about, and especially this Oscars this year, kind of made me think about this quite you know, stringently, about what do we expect from our mainstream cinema? Or do we expect that kind of reality? Or when we go into yeah. see a mainstream movie, I will say, do we like put that suspension of disbelief just there? Be yeah. Like, okay. Green Book is very old school in a lot of ways. Yeah. It feels mm-hmm. like what we expected of Hollywood entertainment 20, no, 30 years ago. But I'll say this about Green Book. I think outside, it, it's uncomfortable in some ways, but in a lot of ways, it's not that bad. I think it's extremely well oiled. Um, as I said before, the characters are really broadly drawn to the extent that you can easily say they're caricature but the positioning of the character beats and the editing is excellent it's really old school Hollywood crowd pleaser it it ticks all the boxes with a certain level of charm which I think you can um, you can can bring that kind of charm back to the Farrelly Brothers films it's the same kind of like warm kind of dumb but humane but also it's it's very reflective of the academy voters who actually form, you know, the Oscars committee and you know, who get to watch these films on probably a screen or a laptop and not actually in the cinemas, you know. They have and, simple tastes. Yeah, but also, like, they don't we talk about that the, like Roma. the Oscars are diversifying mm. in its, in its you know, membership and whatever. But mm. And Roma isn't actually, even all that challenging. Yeah, mm. Actually... <laughs> Are they, though? Are, are they diversifying? Yeah, Probably are every year. It but su- not suggests much. that they're not really diversifying for yeah. Green Book to go all the way because yeah. it's such a They film. don't understand what diversifying means when you can pick a movie about, you know, a black man and black issues that was not written by, you but know, black people. But the, or, the, the bigger crime isn't that it wasn't written by black people is that it is telling us... It's like it's telling, telling the us same stuff, story, telling which us, is yeah, like which we driving Miss Daisy from like 20 and years it ago. It doesn't feel like... Yeah, and it doesn't feel like a genuine depiction of r- racism. It's a very... Like, it's a very... You never feel like you could be the racist in this story. Yeah. It's designed to make you feel good about yourself. Mm. A much more interesting and nuanced take is in the film we'll be talking about next week, If mm. Beale Street Could Talk, which raises shows you the multifaceted ways yeah. that racism plays a part in black people's lives and all the levels it's but, present in society. But it's interesting Green Book is a 2019 film precisely because of that because in today's world I mean if you are the racist you now have the kind of 
No oh. one wants to think they're racist. Exactly. So a movie Be- like Green Book flatters yeah, the America actually, yeah. that elected Trump. Especially, no, 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 not just that. I mean, all across the world, you know, white people now who are being called out for their racism mm. can be, you know, chest beat and say, how dare you? How dare you call me a racist? Yep. You know, so it's it's almost trying to make you feel better about that. Mm. So that was it for this week. Next week, we'll be talking again about if Beale Street could talk and also Vox Lux and maybe some other stuff. Um, <laughs> we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. And maybe we'll actually fight next week. too. Yeah, yeah. There's, there hasn't been too much of that on we've Film been fighting, Fight Club. We've been fighting racism this week. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah just like the, the big issues. producers of Green Book. <laughs> uh, keep enjoying movies and hating the Oscars. Good night, everyone. Good night. Bye.